And I think that when we are trapped in systemic oppression, we are very tired, right? And that joy is harder and harder to come by because you are exhausted. You are exhausted. You're, you're tired. You are surviving. You are surviving. And that just, it drains, right? And so for me, all of my work has been about just being able to spark these moments of joy and levity and, and positive, you know, reflection of feeling like people are able to feel seen is what they tell me, you know, it's like, I'm just so grateful for this. Like I see myself in this and that's why I keep doing it. On today's episode, I am having my most raw and unfiltered conversation yet with one of my oldest friends from college, a woman who shows up as boss in whatever situation she's in, Chelsea Smith. Chelsea is the owner of Brooklyn Brujeria, centered around her alter ego, Chiquita Brujita, a business I would say at its core is built around supporting the arts and building community, but I'm going to let her explain exactly how she does that. With the protests continuing into their third week here in Brooklyn, I knew Chelsea would have a lot to share and a great perspective that could benefit my listeners. In this conversation, we cover a bunch of topics, including building a business where the purpose is spreading joy and the profit is measured by how much it supports growth in the arts, supporting people who are just waking up to the concept of privilege and how we both agree and disagree on how to handle that, what going to the extremely politically correct Wesleyan University did to both of our perspectives on the world, and I share how empowered I feel right now and why I also feel a lot of shame and maybe not for the reason you think. These are legit, unfiltered conversations, and you might be triggered by some of it, but I've decided I'm okay with that. So buckle up. Here we go. This is so funny. I feel like we're on Howard Stern. I love that. Right? That was like the original podcast video show, right? Like, I mean... The original podcast was radio. <laughs> I mean, my mom was in radio. Yeah, exactly. The original podcast was really, radio. Really speaking like our generation. So, okay, so these are... Unfiltered conversations with okay. my favorite boss business owner friends. Amazing. And and so no surprise, Chelsea. <laughs> Here we are. Here we go. Hello. Hi. <laughs> my, who who do I know that shows up and, and decides that she's the boss in every situation <laughs> that she encounters? It's you. Oh, it's that you. means so much. I love that description. That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, I found recently people are like, okay, boss. And I'm like, I, I appreciate this, but I get the little underbelly of like tone oh. that comes with it. It's funny, <laughs> but people love being bossed around, you know, amazing they things do. happen. They need it sometimes. It's, it's, it's helpful to have someone who takes charge. <laughs> I completely agree. That's, <laughs> I think that's why we get along so well. <laughs> yes. I mean, I saw me and you when we first met, I was like, oh, my people. <laughs> and look how she executes flawlessly and like over and over again. And look how much work it is. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, so you are also, um, you're my first guest from my other life. Like okay. from before, from before, you are my my, okay. my oldest friend guest. I love it, that's, and I love that. Okay, <laughs> I think that's good because I I never do interviews as Chelsea, and I only really do press or anything public as as Chiquita, and um, I think it's interesting because as as the concept as my project has evolved, I think I'm coming more into this space of kind of moving back. I never really use my name for the press. Really? Yeah. Well, that no. makes sense. 
you're a yeah. brand. Yeah, so I never have. That's a great place to start. So yeah. let's start there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like, so please refer to me as Chiquita Brujita. Thank you. Chiquita Brujita. <laughs> Which, man, it has been fun to watch this brand blossom. Tell us about the origins. Tell us about the brand, the business. This whole thing. Yeah. So I identify as a third generation New Yorkian bruja. I practice Lukumi or Santeria as it's commonly known and have studied and, and been part of the faith in, in different ways for many years. And several years ago, now five years or so ago, Pia was throwing a art gallery show and it was her second year of throwing this show and a bunch of our friends were in it. And the previous year I had seen someone do something and I was like, oh, that's clever. And it was one of our homegirls because P and I were in a dance company together for many years in college and after college and we ran this thing together. And our homegirl had done this dance piece. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, that's so clever. She had movement in it and there was video. And and second year Wait, came what are you around. Talking about? You don't what remember you Rachel about? had done a piece. You, you don't remember Cohen? this? Yeah. So Rachel Cohen did a piece for sellout for the first year that okay. had like some minor video movement piece in it. I'm. I swear to God, I'm oh, almost her dancing. Yeah, I'm her video. dancing. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And year one, right? And so I saw this thing and I was like, oh my God, that's so clever. And I remember thinking that's so clever. And and then by the time year two rolled around, and I had been making these dance videos in my house, and I wanted to tie them to some kind of project to figure out like how to take this footage that I was recording of me like dancing through energy of shifting energy in my kitchen, like all these crazy dance videos. And it was like kind of inspired at, by Rachel of the previous year, but also just like access to technology and always dancing and whatever. So I did this like concept and I was like, Pia, I'm going to do this whole thing. And like, can I be in the show? And it's going to be like this. And it's like this. Wait, like, hold on a second. So all that clinking is because even when Chelsea is dressed down, she's still in full. Oh, oh my <laughs> full God. Costume. Yes. Oh my God. You can hear the bracelets. I'm sorry. Totally. Okay, I will stop moving. All right. Sorry. Those are my bangles. They're okay. bad for audio. Yeah. And I talk with my hands. So anyway, so yeah, so the project was created in this way, but really was born at at a function that Pia organized, right? So this gallery show and the concept of the show ended up being how do we trouble the notion of what it means to sell out is how I describe it to people, right? And so as an artist, like, what does it really mean to sell out? Like, why do we assert this this shame around having to be forced to participate in capitalism only to artists as opposed to everyone else right but we shame the artists for doing it when they need to survive as well which so, are you guys listening like this is a brand hashtag cello that steve and i started many years ago for that express purpose and invited people like chelsea and all of our artist friends who were into the idea of hey we're artists it's okay that we make money off of that why yeah. are we shamed to not yeah. make money. So anyway, keep, keep going. Yeah. And like also collective entrepreneurship, right? Which is something that I've taken through business school and through the work that I do and just and built the brand around too, which is just community and acknowledging the systems are not really set up favorably. And so you have to build new systems. And so I was part of the show and my approach was around spirituality and this question of, you know, the concept of exchanging money for spiritual guidance or just money for spirit. And as a practitioner of a, of a, of a Afro-diasporic traditional African religion that has always had economies as a part of it, right? Um, you pay for readings, ceremonies and initiations. There is work that is done that requires money, right? Because we need resources in this other exchange of 
how we add money into spiritual um, practice. And so it was going to be this like really esoteric thing. And then Pia was like, girl, the flyer is Jesus taking a selfie. So like, I know you really believe in this and I just don't want you to feel any kind of ways. I just gotta let you know that. Like, like you might wanna, and I was like, okay, I gotta pivot. Okay, no problem. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Play to the room. And it was brilliant guidance because she just told me like, I get where you're going with this, but this is like MoMA and what we're doing is like Bushwick. So I was like, got it. <laughs> and I was like, no problem. And so what ended up being born for the show was, this public personification of Chiquita Brujita, who is a public fortune teller. And I created a uh, loteria based um, tarot reading system of my own sort of divination that lived on Instagram and ended with power moves of me dancing in the kitchen and this whole color theory of readings with the Orisha. And I made these candles for the show to actually sell for the first time. And my partner at the time was a graphic designer. And so I had this concept and I designed them and then we put them together and I took them to market and it was, it was crazy. People, I did these readings for the first time. People went fucking nuts. Like they were just like, no, but the fortune teller said, and I opened this, this channel of like, I'm a, I'm, I divine. And, and I, I've done subsequent things and ceremonies and things and that have confirmed, like I have the path of a fortune teller. And so that moment of just opening that Pandora's box of the rest of my next step really has guided me for the next five years, really till now of all the work that I've done, which has evolved and into so many things. But I'll, I'll stop there because that's how Chiquita was born. And I, I birthed these candles, which I've, I've since been selling. And I just today am, am basically shutting down the shop for a temporary shutdown for the first time in five years of just unfettered, unstructured, wild, beyond my imagination growth and taking a pause to actually strategically wrap my arms around a business that has come out of this gallery show of fortune telling like one night of performance art that literally spun out of fucking control <laughs> I oh my god it's giving me chills going down memory lane like that because yeah. I I it don't remember all the my details. story yeah it's and incredible. people have asked me you know like what how was she born and I always say you know Pia and we've had this gallery show and so it was supposed to be one night and then it was two nights remember and it like extended into the weekend oh Other yeah crazy no, shit there were thousands like, of people there was, there was a line around the corner remember in the rain thing, a whole it was thing, crazy a whole oh thing. I love oh I'm so honored to be part of your story because you have oh done such amazing things since then so it's what 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 happened oh and I oh I can't wait I'm gonna go find all the photos of oh my you. god the pictures oh my god the pictures and Aaron taking all the oh my god oh my, oh, no no yeah there's a oh, lot of so photos of that party the, I will yeah, put those all it. in the show notes I love um, it and love oh my it. god I forgot Jesus taking a selfie it was good Friday 2015 people <laughs> yes like, that's what? why and I was like it was, it was on good, good Friday, Friday. And, I'm like, and then I got locked out of the house on my way there and all the things were on Instagram it was a difficult birth but Chiquita arrived <laughs> they, they loved it. What a night. Um, so, I mean, that was just the first. What ended up, because you, like, I've known you for a long time. You and I, like we said, we, I think we probably related at first because we're both just people who are like, how do I make this better? What do I need to do? Like, okay, get out of the way. You're not doing this right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's um, make it better. No, let's and, make it yeah, better. And you are um, a year behind me at Wesleyan. So I think we probably met at, at Caliente dancing salsa and then in precision dancing hip hop and everything yeah. else, whatever we did. And then just collaborating on all kinds of stuff. But then we graduated and you were throwing parties at your dad's super cool lounge bar what do you even call it nightclub oh my god yeah we had we had a cocktail lounge yeah. that 
was a bigger part of the culture than I realized because I was 20 and like. Were you only 20 when that first started? Were you not even graduated? No, girl. When you were doing Wednesdays? I started Wonderful Wednesdays officially the summer before my senior year in college. Oh, okay. And I I graduated. I was 20. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But technically, you're allowed to work in the bar if you are not serving alcohol, which I know that you know. (laughs) (laughs) Which I started serving alcohol at 18. Yes, you did. (laughs) I know that. So, yeah. And my, but my, I mean, it's this crazy thing. My dad is a black man from St. Louis. My, my grandparents, my bubby was Jewish and white, and my grandfather was African American. And then my mom is Puerto, Puerto Rican, you know, Puerto Rican. And so, you know, my dad is black man in hospitality in New York and so opened this club called Blue Owl in 2006 that was a small cocktail lounge in the East Village but was intentionally staffed by all black men really really for the most part yeah we had all black staff for the first opening while all of our bartenders were black and the cocktail staff was mixed. And they but, were all like the best bartenders because you guys had mm-hmm. all these crazy cocktails, I remember. Yeah. And like the, the staff um, changed after a while, but it was intentionally, you know, in this moment in time, I reflect on these things of the things that my dad did, like as a you know, black person in the industry when he opened what was ultimately his, he had several businesses, but this was the one that was like independently his and he was intentional about it. Like you don't usually see a black barman in a high end cocktail lounge serving you $14 martinis. Right. And like the importance right. of that signaling and just also creating opportunity for community. And then also having white folks behind the bar and, and women and all these other things. But we threw amazing parties and yeah, I turned Wednesdays into Saturdays and incredible DJs, you know, Miles and Lindsay through, um, through the hump every Wednesday and uh-huh, Wesleyan, right. you know, our friends. <laughs> oh, like, it was the Wesleyan scene was, on Wednesday. It was, yeah, oh my God, right. it was for years. We did parties for, for like, you know, years and then we sold the business and something became something else. But that was really my nightlife moment. I remember just sending these emails on Facebook every week. Just being Facebook like, was so new then. It I mean, was we're so talking new. 2006, 2007. And it was, it was yeah. initially just college. And, right. you know, I, 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 I reflect on this and I'm thinking of like writing a book and all these things. And I'm like really reflecting. And it's like, I realized, and I wasn't the only one, but I was an early adopter of understanding the power of the tool of Facebook to make money. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, we got to gather. This is the tool where my people are. I had a strong, you know, college network of people on Facebook, like, Let's make an event. And 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 it, it happened. And then that became one of the main longest standing reasons why people even check into Facebook now is for the events. Wow. Oh, gosh. I mean, I remember that, too, because I was such a huge part of my like just after college young and in, in New York. And I when I think about people who are entrepreneurial, it's not surprising when you go back into your history and yeah. you and I have this in common. It's like, well, we were always hustling. In fact, by the way, can I just tell you a, a very distinct memory I have of your dad that oh, I yes. that I it so, warms my heart and also makes me cringe right after college. I was really into social entrepreneurship and I was doing that Clinton, you know, I was working at the Clinton Global Foundation and I was I had this idea for a bar that in during the day would sell the goods from the microfinance initiatives that we were donating yeah. to in Nepal, okay. remember? And Not it was gonna be idea. Yeah. So it was like, oh, during the day we sell those things and it's like a juice bar. And then it like turns into a night bar at night because alcohol is how you make money. And right. and I made an executive summary, one one page <laughs> that said I needed a million dollars to do this, yes. which is like a million dollars. 
not based on anything. No, but had no idea. That much. And and your dad was kind enough to sit down with me at, at Blue Owl one day, oh. and where I just told him what I wanted to do and asked for his advice. And oh. I don't remember what he said. I just remember he was so nice about it. Oh. <laughs> instead of instead of <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm cringing just thinking about it because man, was I just. But I didn't know well, what I didn't know. That's the concept, Pia. That's, that's the concept. The- and it does cost a million dollars. And God bless you <laughs> for asking for advice. And I mean, I maintain that concept. I maintain that same, like, I want a youth development program with dance studios yes. and a nightclub. And but we a always cafe do that. And- remember. Yeah, exactly. You need the you need the <laughs> subsidies. I mean, that's what we did in college too. Remember, I mean, that year when I was a senior, we had so because oh, remember? Okay, precision. <laughs> we 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 made we had the best parties because we had all the we danced. Okay, so guys, <laughs> tell the people I mean, about precision. Sorry, tell the people precision. about precision. They don't we literally. Know. <laughs> they don't know. I'm embarrassed <laughs> to say this, but precision was. You know. Do not be embarrassed. I will speak proudly. Precision <laughs> We were very serious about the company and we worked really, really hard. And we would put on a, a full theater show every year, several full theater shows. But we would also put on this troupe show. Troupe was like the hip hop part. And we would dance. We would get lights and dance. Well, it was no, lights until, produ- until I was just, a senior. And then you it got the just stage. Lights. And then I got the stage. I was like, we need a stage, guys. Like, Petition what are we doing on the floor? Stage, yeah. Got the school to buy us the stage. Then we moved the party <laughs> oh, outside. Oh, we got the school to buy us a stage. Oh, yeah. And oh, then, I forgot. Oh, I did not forget that. He was like, oh, no, we need a stage and it needs to be mobile. And they were like, okay, well, you have to share it with everyone else. And we're like, that's fine. But we still need this particular stage. And so Pia made the school make a capital investment, okay, that she petitioned the university for, for this fucking stage. And the stage comes and then she graduates and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to need to reserve the precision stage for our now outdoor experience. That's oh, like, really? oh yeah, girl. Oh, and we took outdoor. the stage outside and then I brought in the poetry people and like more DJs and an after party. Oh, I took it at next level. Of course, it was of awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, so that was, the and then I get, but this is how we learned how to do this. Then yes. we did it in Brooklyn and oh. like, I mean, I we, feel we were producing events. We did it in Brooklyn. Oh, that's another story. We put a full, <laughs> full show together in Brooklyn years, several years times after again. Now several, t- we sold out Southpaw. Shout out to Southpaw. Oh my God, I forgot. But that was, that that's right after I met Steve. And that was like right after. And he like came to see us a week after. We were so badass on that stage. But going back to we've been doing this the, is the point we've been yeah, causing a scene for a long time a bunch of God, new york I, girls like you can't tell me what i can't do why not why God, not why I not i forgot those details that's awesome um so what i re- <laughs> <laughs> what i remember about when i was a senior cynthia and i were co-directing this company and because our troop shows when we would dance in the middle of these parties we would charge three bucks right? $5. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But everybody wanted to come to it because how fun is that? Like, it's just a dance party, but also there's like this badass hip hop show that happens a couple times during the party. So everyone's just way more into dancing and it was really fun. So we used to only do that, you know, when I was freshman, sophomore, junior, you did it once a semester. We had like three or four of them a semester my senior year because yeah. remember he- Helen and I were doing the impact and yeah, we were trying to raise money a whole new opportunity and I was like we need to have as many of these parties as possible because we make lots of money this way and that's how we're going to make money for this microfinance, microfinance effort yeah. 
and totally. gave it, yeah, and then donated it to this effort. I remember. And it's all, I, I remember thinking, that's how you make money for social. <laughs> that's how you make money for social. But I mean, it's the joy, right? You it's have the, to yeah, bring yes, in some yes, kind of an offering that is regenerative for people, right? That That helps them. It's a much better way of saying it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, st- I stayed in this business, yeah. right? Like no, no, I stayed no, in this stayed. business. Right. I know, I left. That's why I'm loving no, this conversation. I mean, I but what's it. so crazy is that it's rooted in these moments. Mm-hmm. And and those moments for me of finding community when we were in college and precision, and then when we came back to the city and realizing how much I missed it and why, are, are rooted in a lifetime of joy that was fostered before that of me always having birthday parties and understanding it, you know, and bringing people together and seeing my friends, meet new friends and meet different people and, and just have these, these otherworldly moments because you're brought together intentionally, but mm. also randomly, right? Like nothing else might not, you know, bring you together. So I think building around that has been why then, you know, I, so, so then to continue the story, so Chiquita Brujita went back into basically throwing events and parties after. And she that's was why I was bringing, it. and that's why I was bringing this up because yeah. what I have witnessed is that you, <laughs> you were like, and the parties. Yeah. And, <laughs> and you had I mean, been training that. for that. <laughs> yeah. yes. I miss that. I like that. We need that. <laughs> we need that. We need parties in our life. And so, so what did Chiquita Brujita evolve into in terms of a business with the parties and the candles? What does that look like? So for the past several years, Chiquita has evolved. Brooklyn Brujeria is the name of the brand and it's Chiquita Brujita's brand and offering. And so the candle line uh, persists. It's grown from the original line of candles that are still, you know, sort of available that I started with at Sellout. And so I I stuck with the with mm-hmm. the classics, right? Mm-hmm. I'm best known for my fuck out of here protection candle. <laughs> and and I sell nine times of them for every other candle that I sell, which is just an interesting thing about, again, wow. you know, making money from one thing to make art happen in other realms, right? And so mm-hmm. I sell, I don't know, probably 25, 26 different SKUs of candles. And the artwork is for me like sacred geometry in terms of the energy that they carry. And then that's one line of it and has spun out to include other merch for the business. I, I have a magic is fucking real tote bag that people <laughs> love. And, and I'm known for my bruja mark, right? Which means witch and is a part of a whole nother sort of movement that has come along with this work of which I am I'm part of sort of this whole brujas of Instagram motion towards um, self-awakening for predominantly um, Black and Latinx women. There's so much. I mean, there's so much that has gone on. And so the candles and then um, the, the the brujas, right? The, the internet, I have sort of 21,000 like godchildren basically on Instagram that I Incredible. consider and I, yeah. I talk to and I am in ministry with basically of just energetic support and love and affirmation when things go right and fury when we have that to share. And the blessings from that, I think, are just untold. Ultimately, I went back into events. So when I birthed at Sellout, I realized I missed the nightlife element of my life, which had been going on with the parties that we were mentioning at Blue Owl and had been on, you know, kind of hiatus for me for a couple of years. I went to business school. So I kind of went into like what I call like civilian, civilian life. Yeah. Um, When did you go to business school? Was it before or after Sellout? It was during. So I was in my final year of my program. I was in a part-time program at NYU. And so Chiquita was actually born during my MBA program. I was working full-time. I'm a professional grant maker. So I work in philanthropy on behalf of the city of New York. At the time I was doing national and international grant making, but now I'm focused just on New York at a different private foundation, which is a part of my sort of life path of 
giving. And yeah, so then I wanted to do parties. And so I finagled to meet this DJ that was throwing the biggest Latin party in the city. And I did his reading of my fortune system. And he's like, this is great. You should do it at the parties. And that turned into me basically helping to produce and grow their events. And then that went into us producing an event together, um, a sabbatical travel to Colombia and Cuba and Puerto Rico and Mexico and coming back and doing Brooklyn Museum and El Museo and Brooklyn Museum again and focusing really on this concept of community building around joy and dance and music and our shared Afro-diasporic connection as strength and healing in moments where we saw Puerto Rico suffer from a fascist response to a hurricane, when we, you know, watched immigrant children suffer from deep terror that, you know, they're going to be experiencing family separation at the hands of, of, of a raid. The things that have been traumatizing Black and Brown and, and just our communities in New York writ large that have been exacerbated in the past several years. So that work continued. And then I, I spun into doing this independent festival called the Brooklyn Brujeria Festival under the Manhattan Bridge that happens in September for the past two years. And there's a whole market component. And so I had 20 different market folk, my market women, mostly uh, my market people who you mean people create... showing up to sell their yeah. goods. Yeah. 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 So they come and it's an intentional uh, space of, um, you know, really intentionally affordable, if not free, I think, vending as a payback to the maker community for them to be able to take the opportunity to make revenue for the day and contribute to the culture and offer their products and educate people in person. And there's a drumming. And I, last year I had three different drummings and DJs and art installations and people are featured artists. There's a mini gallery and and it turned into this festival. I throw this festival. Um, the first year was on the anniversary of Hurricane Maria hitting Puerto Rico. And so one year after and was centered around a bomba and really was this incredible moment of energetic just release and collective space for folks. And and then the second year, it was a fundraiser for Brooklyn's immigrant youth. And we did that. And so this year we were scheduled for August. And right now everything is is just has just shifted. So so where are you going? So, I so am, what's the I plan? Am, I'm going to the moon. I'll be taking the next couple of months to go to the moon and collect myself energetically and come back for the good fight. I was I went to the Bomba protest the other day and, and, and it's so beautiful what's happening in the streets around the world in support of systemic inequity and intentional oppression that... I've been deeply aware of for so long. We were talking about this the other day, like, oh my God, they didn't know. Nobody knew. Like we've known for so long. <laughs> How did like, you guys not know? <laughs> yeah. racism. Like you don't know about systemic racism? Like what? <laughs> well, let's throw, so, so as, especially as you describe this and like, I know the world that you're in, you actually, you've got your two feet squarely in two very different worlds. The world of, um, the Bushwick, probably the most multicultural artistic community in the world, right? And then you work at this foundation where are you the only non-white, not 60-year-old person there? I am the youngest. I'm the youngest. Okay. I'm the youngest on the program staff, but my president is black. She's a black woman. Oh, okay. And she's been on staff for a long time. And I work for really beautiful, good people. But that said, but it's an interesting thing because the fundamentals of what it is to be a foundation, you know, and, and I was explaining the concept of endowments 
and how endowments work, right? To, to some friends of mine this morning on our chat. And, and it's just, you know, fundamentally this concept of how this exists perpetuates inequity. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a fact, right? So what is an endowment? So this is going to get maybe a little wonky, but I'm going to try to keep it simple. So okay. basically an endowment is a, think of like a, a box of money that is locked up among your boxes of money that you use for life or whatever your operating principles are, if you're a university or if you're a nonprofit organization, for example, um, or if you think like a business, it's like your savings kind of, right? An endowment. And so people can give money to a nonprofit or in their death or in their like asset planning, put money in this concept called an endowment that says that it's for charitable causes. And so by putting this money into the endowment, you don't pay taxes on transferring that wealth. And by not paying taxes on transferring wealth that has been endowed for a charitable purpose, you maintain the influence over that pool of money by having a foundation, having charitable assets, basically. But what you really have is this box of money that needs to be invested. And then after it's been invested traditionally in the market, or some maybe illiquid assets, real estate, mm -hmm. some of the harder to move alternatives, private equity, all kinds of things. But into mm -hmm. financial assets, your endowment is always invested. It's not like you have well, some needs box to be because you want it to be growing because you're using exactly. dividends. Right, exactly. For and so you use right. the dividends, right? And so this is what you actually are doing is that you're using the dividends for charitable purposes, but you're only using the dividends for charitable purposes. You're managing this giant pot of money that maintains assets in the market, regular assets, gas, whatever they can be whatever right, right. and that's 95 percent of what you're doing going back into that corpus of capital that maintains the system mm -hmm. functioning as it functions and then the charitable giving you commit to paying out five percent of your dividends so okay. you're you theoretically want to make seven percent on the annual on the endowments that you contribute okay. to the corpus and you also pay five percent right gotcha oh, okay. roughly so this is the five percent rule is foundations pay out five percent okay that is not a lot of money. No, <laughs> that's not a lot of money. And they could be invested in like systemic racial system that you need to go deeper into. A lot of people need to go deeper into understand why. But then, I mean, just imagine that money could be in a company that's straight up white supremacist. It could be in so many things. Yeah. And it is because you then Primary hire fund money. managers and the yeah. way that the market works, there's so much opacity and your money is moving in ways that at that scale, you have no necessarily way of tracking every dollar and cent. Money is very fungible. Mm -hmm. But there's amazing movements happening. There's PRI movements around making program-related inv investments so that your portfolio actually is aligned with the values. money that you're giving. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the structure is that this money is charitably, you know, navigated by the private sector, which has both gifts and curses. So I'm not going to take down the industry that I've been a part of, but it is fascinating. And it is a key tool, especially when you look at the size of endowments of all the universities. Harvard has some oh my God. stupid amount of money. <laughs> I mean, it, it is just like, yeah, I can't. So it, it's 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 so much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and I I mean, I love to hear your perspective on this stuff because you have you are so deeply entrenched in the other side of it at the same the exact circus. time. Yeah, the circus, your, your circus <laughs> friends, as you like to call them, the artists, the DJs, the musicians, the, the life affirming individuals who risk their sanity and security to express themselves, right? 
I think that that freedom and that courage is to me what life is about. And all of the work that I do, fortunately, from a program standpoint, because I'm not actually on the finance side of the foundation, right? Mm-hmm. I don't manage our investments. Right. Um, I, I, I spend our grant dollars and I meet these amazing people who are dedicated to making people's lives better. And so much of my work historically has been blessed to be in the arts. And I see how it can be the most life-affirming thing in the world to be able to give you know someone the opportunity to develop their craft or to be exposed in this way to the world. And, and that can be arts, that can be deep science, it can be anything that is intriguing. And I work a lot on behalf of young people, but adults, right? Anything that can awaken your spirit to decide, I want to get out of bed today. I want to find joy in my heart to be able to just be awake and be excited for that, right? And, and, and I think that when we are trapped in systemic oppression, we are very tired. And that joy is mm-hmm. harder and harder to come by because you are exhausted. You are mm-hmm. exhausted. You're, you're tired. You are surviving. You are surviving. And that just, it drains. And so for me, all of my work has been about just being able to spark these moments of joy and, you know, levity and, and positive, you know, reflection of, of feeling like people are able to feel seen is what they tell me, you know, it's like, I'm just so grateful for this. Like I, I see myself in this, you know, and, and that's why I keep doing it. I, I'm, this is a, I, I'm not making money off of this. I'm like, what? It's, which part? Any of it. I mean, the whole thing, the candles fund the concert because the concert right. hires 30, 60 drummers, I don't know, whatever. Right. And so it's like, I make money year round right. to pay for this other thing. It's all funding itself so totally. that it can keep going. Yeah. This yeah. is a, it's the a profit is the, it's not profit. The joy. It's the value that it gives to all the people that get to participate. Which is exponential yeah. and priceless, quite frankly. Yeah. And that I think is how we need to move in the new economy. Yeah. I mean, think about this like, too. All the people that you are engaged with are all their own little businesses. Uh-huh. I mean, t- tell me if you agree with this. It's like when people are oppressed and they don't have as many opportunities, one of the things that they end up doing is trying to figure out how they can lift themselves up. And that becomes being your own boss in some way. How, what, what do I have to give and to offer to support myself? And then this is how you get this amazing community of people who are making their crafts and selling them, who are selling their DJ services, who are selling their art. Who are surviving. It's just so interesting because everybody has a different story of what brought them into their liberation in this way right of Mm. being able to say i'm strong enough to give this give give this a chance to take this risk on myself and my capability and it's not to say that everyone who starts a business is great at it or even should necessarily (laughs) be doing that i'm not going to say that (laughs) i'm not going to stand here and say that god bless my babies because they call me and they're like I got this idea and, you know, and I'll listen and I'll talk it through. And it's the same with my dad, like he did with you. And I'm going to be like, okay, well, okay, well that, all right. And so you're going to do that like on the side, right? Like you're going to do that on the side. Like you're not going to quit the job and try to do that and pay rent in the next two weeks. Cause that's not going to happen. And they're like, it's not going to happen. And you're like, no, sweetheart, that's not going to happen. Like, but you should still do it. <laughs> right. And so I think I, it's, it's just anyway. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> and sometimes people have to fall on their face to figure it out. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's the, right. the willful ones, you know, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. The, the scrapes. It's just been such an interesting, amazing journey and, and so rich with, with other people. Business yeah. is about other people, especially when you take products to market and, and that expansiveness of, of seeing things out in the world. And it's just so amazing. When we were catching up the other day, I was asking, like, how are they doing? Like either all of them thrive on these events that have been oh. shut down. So what's going Everybody's on? Everybody's fucked up. This is fucking terrible. This is a shit show. Everybody's fucked. I mean, no, this is absolutely devastating to the artistic community in New York City. Globally, people are suffering. Everyone right now is just collectively, I think, holding their breath. Uh, a lot of people are absolutely showing up to do what they can in terms of everything, whether that's mutual aid, whether that's using our circus buses to go and deliver food and go funding me for gas so that they can continue to provide like this shuttle service, basically. Is it showing up to protest? Is it using what you learned at Burning Man to go be a street medic? I mean, it's endless. But I think that that's what's happening across the city right now, I would say for sure. All these people protesting, I would, what percentage of them are folks that have been impacted by job loss or are now, you know, on unemployment, essentially by no fault of their own? who are outraged at the racial injustice that as New Yorkers, they feel and know differently than a lot of people in a lot of places. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say that it's not the same here. For as many racist white folks we have, we have that many more people who are going to take the call to go to the front lines and understand what allyship looks like. You know, <laughs> it, 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 it's just New York is its own country right now. And always it, people are suffering. People are suffering and they're figuring it out. There's been, you know, a lot of exodus for a lot of the folks that were not from here to begin with, which is an artistic community that New York has always thrived of, which I don't know whether we're going to see them come back. We don't know when the theaters are opening. The restaurants, which is a source of capital, we don't know when they're opening. All of the arts education program funding has been absolutely stripped from the DOE budget. The housing is persistently insecure. We're going to see another wave of evictions in August as this thing gets lifted. None of this has been resolved. None of this has been resolved. And so... It's, it's really, it's dire. <laughs> and I think some folks are being creative and they're able to transition what they can to digital like everybody else. But I, I, I think that for everybody who thinks that this is just going to kind of go back to normal, I don't see that normal returning in the immediate term. I'm excited for what comes after. I hope it's more equitable and more mm -hmm. accessible and a lot different. But for what was happening, there are a lot of people that are suffering right now. They're just in the transition and don't really have a lot of options right and and so i think to them i say think collectively <laughs> well i mean these um, as, protests it's not the coincidence that these protests are happening during no, this quarantine of course not <laughs> you know like this is what i mean it's uh in a terrible way it's like the aligning of the stars oh yeah I mean, I don't know if you follow this like whole thing, but there's been this meme going around. I'm, I'm in the witchy community, you know, um, of, uh, <laughs> I'm not following of, the witchy community, Chelsea. Oh, well, you are they, my, you're, <laughs> <laughs> I feel you in because they got jokes. It's like, oh, you want to see the revolution? Well, Saturn and Pluto <laughs> and this other planet are all in retrograde and then they'll do the planetary alignments. And it's like the last time all three of these planets were in retrograde at the same time, there's some meme. It was like, we got like World War II and then the other one, it was like the plague and then this and that. And so now it all lines up and it's all three at once and we're like let's go <laughs> so i don't know i mean it's happening and you have to move through it from whatever position of power that you're in with as much honesty and integrity and and enthusiasm as possible self-care and hydration rest 
and consistency. I mean, it's every day. This is, this has been every day of my life since I was what, five years old. And they were like, what are you? And I was like, well, what? I don't, (laughs) and, and every day since, you know, you figure out why people ask that question and, and it's just, I'm happy that people are finally Yeah, you must have gotten that question a lot. I mean, (laughs) I got that question a lot. Yeah. New York. Yeah, New York. But yeah, but, but New York, it's like, what do you mean? What am I? Everyone here is what am I, right? <laughs> well, we're of and that I always, generation. And especially as a bartender, I mean, oh, yeah, everybody yeah. that walks in, what are you, where are you from? Mm-hmm. I always say New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Me too. So that they could say, <laughs> no, but where are you from? You, really, you know no, what I mean. where are you, you really from? from? Where are your parents from? And you're like, New York. <laughs> <laughs> also New York. Yeah, we're kind from of. our own country kind here. <laughs> Where everyone is black and also a little bit Chinese. <laughs> oh, people think people think I'm everything. People must yeah, think no. you're everything too. And, and we we're, also we're very ambiguous. Yeah. Oh no, people also think I was um Filipino, no, Asian, yeah. Lebanese, you know. I mean and and and, and all the important I like conversations. That. Of course. I mean, yeah. because it's it, no. There's so many things about white privilege that come with being fair skinned in my life as who I am and being mixed blood and all these things. But it's just, I, I don't know, man, the blessing of growing up just black, basically in New York has been, no you kidding. know, I mean, just this, like, I grew up in East Harlem in the nineties. I'm who I am. I don't know. It's a weird bubble to grow up in. Yeah. It's a really weird bubble. Understand. I mean, no one can understand another person's experience, but identity is so complex and so beautiful and so rich in the real conversations that I've been blessed to have about it when we were in school and these hard conversations that take time and take supportive mm-hmm. space and resources that are now amazing to be happening, but are being reduced to cancel culture and memes and no support for people that are wrestling with these things, you know, and I think, I think that's hard for folks. And, and, you know, I, I, I don't know, this is part of what sabbatical is about is me kind of figuring out like, how do I, how do I help guide the next mm-hmm. debate a little bit with this, you know, mm-hmm. like not everybody had the blessing of going to Wesleyan, I think. And, and I know that, you know, and, and I know that intellectually, I know that, you know, intuitively, I know that, but then what does that actually translate to? What does that mean? What is my responsibility to break down you know, Frary, what is the responsibility to understand Foucault and then tell the kids like, okay, this is, you know, I don't know. I don't even think it's to tell the kids. I mean, I think they know, but it's also just like, I don't know, girl. I, you know, so I was telling you, um, you might, you probably don't know who she is. It's, it's very much in my like coaching business space. Business space on, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, you're in her little bubbles, like what we were mm-hmm. talking about. So I'm, I'm going to mention her because I, I was I was impressed with what she did. So this woman, Jenna Kutcher, a lot of people, huge following, this white blonde woman, she posted, oh man, you got to read it. She posted in her Instagram a couple of days ago, this exchange she had with somebody in 2017, this black woman called her out for something that she, she had posted like a picture of her helping these poor black children um, in the Dominican Republic, I think. And she meant well. I mean, you know, you know, she meant well. I mean, she, it's a classic. She's not the first nor the last. Favorite, but the, yeah, but she's uh-huh. not, that's not what she's thinking. She's like, we went there, we saw them, we wanted to help them, you know, and, and, right, and we're, and we're sharing taking that a picture and the value and, signaling. And, and she yeah. just, right. So she like politely called her out on it. And then this, and, sh- and then they had this email exchange where Jenna Kutcher got so just all the wrong things, you know, just so defensive. So, so privilege attacking, thinking intention is all that matters. 
but in a, in such a cringeworthy way that I'm reading it. And this is what I was sharing with you a couple of days ago. I was like, it, it hit me it's like, oh, man, I didn't realize that you guys were like that far back. <laughs> like, I mean, do you remember that movie that they made about Wesleyan? It's literally called PCU. Yes. Like PCU. We <laughs> were politically correct. <laughs> we, were, we were we went there. To, I, and I believe that review, whatever that review thing is that that um oh, the guidebook that yeah. rates that rates colleges when we were there, it was number one most politically active. I mean, you could not be on that campus without getting called out for everything. Transgender like was a huge topic. We were calling people Z on campus. This was Fifth, 17 years ago? I went to a rally for Wesleyan's access to bathrooms because rightfully so, trans folks were advocating for gender neutral bathrooms all over universe. Like I, my, my grandmother, my God bless her soul. I remember her coming to freshman year orientation and my freshman year dorm had a co-ed bathroom and co-ed showers and the urinals in the bathroom and the whole thing. It was just this gender yeah. neutral bathroom on our hall. Like it was like, whatever, you know, you just got to live with that. We don't do that here. It's just one bathroom. And she, that Christmas bought me a bathrobe that was so giant. It was like down to my feet, <laughs> this huge robe. I'm like, grandma, this is totally hilarious and unnecessary. And she's like, I know Chelsea, ese baño no entiendo. <laughs> like, I don't get it. And I was just like, oh my God, but, it, but it's beautiful. No, it's it was beautiful. beautiful. And I was, and, and it was a, a beautiful experience to be there and to be engaged in those conversations and to be pushed the complete opposite. And to know me back then is to know that I was way bitchier than I am now and enjoyed the engaging of the yeah of we the were militant my girl oh, used to start man. fights in class we were screaming at people writing op-eds enjoying what? it enjoying it and and I did a lot of personal growth to to actually I mean not just in those conversations but just in, in life in general to like not indulge in the in the like angry call people out and tell them how they're wrong because you have the moral high ground to like yeah. if you really want to achieve a goal there's a better, there's always a better way to do it. And I, and I went, I went really far with that. I mean, yeah. I think it helped me personally and spiritually to let that part of myself <laughs> a little yeah. bit, but yeah. what it ended up happening. And, and this is why I'm bringing it up because something that I have to own is, you know what, Jenna Kutcher, like legit had no idea. I mean, you read these cringeworthy emails and she, and she posted them because she then like during all of this, she apologized to this woman profusely and felt so bad because now she's seeing the error of her ways, but you can read it. It's like, she just legit has no idea. And I would never read that email, but I also like <laughs> did have an idea. Like in all of this, my, my shame or the thing that I have to deal with is like, I did know better. Like I know better a lot more. And I, and I, retreated into my like trying to figure out my own fucking life <laughs> what I, I needed mean, to do and I forgot about it kind of and you know because you started to take it for granted in a way and you give people more of a benefit of a doubt because we all do this thing where we look at other people the way that we either would want to be seen or the way that we look at ourselves or you know kind of understand ourselves and I I was surprised when I went back to business school and encountered folks that were not Oh Wesleyan aligned. And this is in NYU. Yeah, NYU, <laughs> one of the best supported yeah. programs in the country. And I was on a soapbox the whole time about equitable rights to water and land rights. And, you know, no, GDP is a false measure of 
you know, systemic inequity and doing presentations on microfinance. And I mean, people throwing themselves in the river over being socially shamed over lack of access to credit that they should have never been given. I mean, it was crazy. And people are looking at me in this program like this bitch is from Mars. And I'm like, I am telling you that this is what we need to be talking about. <laughs> so you saw it. Ago. You saw it more recently. I mean, I feel like I just got smacked in the face with it. Oh, my God. And right here at NYU. Yeah. I mean, I feel like an asshole even saying that. Like, right here at NYU? No, One of my best friends from business school, you know, I'm one of few women. It's, it's an even relatively even split program, but I'm one of few women of color mm-hmm. predominantly and certainly one of black and Latina even fewer. Sure. And... And one of my best friends, well-meaning white girl, God bless her soul. And she'll tell you herself, you know, I woke her ass up. I had to wake her ass up. She was dead asleep, basically. And she did some shit. And I was like, sweetheart, sweetheart, what the fuck are you thinking? And she had no idea. And she, and the same thing as you're saying about this girl with whatever, no clue, no, no fucking clue. clue. She, oh my God, I had no idea. I am so sorry. And, and really, you know, and had this deep... She approached it with humility and I have to hold space for that. But in that same breath, you also understand why folks are tired, right? And it is that how many times do you have to take the awkward step of confronting a homegirl, right? When you realize, oh my God, this bitch is asleep, (laughs) you know? Or we're just in, we are in these bubbles. Yeah. I mean, she just, I mean... I looked at her Instagram. She showed me her Instagram. It was like all like clue. I think it was, I think, I don't know if it was an Eric, Eric, they killed Eric Garner. Something happened that everyone on my feed was up in arms about. And that everybody on her feed had no idea had happened. And at that moment, I realized just the fundamental mm-hmm. disconnect and she was outraged and, and rightfully so. And this is the thing you, this is what's happening in this moment that I think is really beautiful is that folks are realizing with rage, how much they've been complicit and mm. how much, that hurts them and it angers them. And they're like, I don't want to be this complicit in a system this fucked up. I don't want these privileges. I don't want this to be like that. And 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 they're outraged and they fucking should be. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That's why we're seeing all these people in the streets of all different colors, because this is not a black and white issue. This is about inequity that has been carried on in the name of American values, which is fucking wrong. And so now that people are being shown, let me explain to you da, 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 how this all works because our education system is a piece of shit and nobody actually knew these things, right? Oh no, I'm like, I'm going on sabbatical. Everybody go do the reading. <laughs> Good luck to you. I'm so happy this is happening. I'm going to go check out and plan my next move for the people. <laughs> I mean, come but on. See, it's one conversation at a time. You being in business school, befriending this, I picture her as being blonde. I don't know if she's actually she blonde. She is, in fact. Okay, I mean, and also, I love her. I know. And then she I tells know. me literally the other day, she's like, you know, my sister's called me and she's like, I really need to process this. And I feel like you like get it. And she's like, I only get it because Chelsea like did the work. Like, God bless her. And that is recent. <laughs> I swear to God, that's what she said to me like yesterday. And I was just like, Aww. I love you. And I'm grateful yeah. that I had the patience and the spirit of heart yeah. to do that. And people do that over and over again with their family and in their ways. And I've called my mom out on her own shit. And I mean, she's like, you used to call me racist. And I'm like, because you were fucking racist. That shit was racist. And she's like, oh, Chelsea. And I'm like, I'm serious. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, she, I don't know. I can't believe I paid all this money for you to go to school and come home and call me racist. And I was like, it means it's working. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, mom. You're welcome. 
<laughs> this is why you sent me there. It's so good. You're welcome. Best school in the country. Yes. <laughs> hey, and look, I mean, we all need a mouth like Chelsea. <laughs> no oh because God. that's it look remember i don't know why i'm thinking of this but you know how like in the in the coronavirus thing there's like the r not or like the number of people you infect okay, and like that's yeah, how yeah. it spreads i feel yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, the yeah, same yeah. thing yeah. you might be yeah. the only person on your friend on your blonde girl's feed but you infect her and if she yeah. then says something well she might infect a lot more people and different, totally different, and different people. people and different she's people. The, no, to, she's yeah. doing good things at the company. She's holding people accountable. Good. Like, yeah. Hell have no fear. Like a white Chelsea. woman on the case. She is on it. And I'm like, you know what? Use your privilege, sis. God bless her. I wish her well. I'm grateful. You know, and it's like not to reward it because it's like, but like, we but no, need but that. It, we need it's that. okay. Steve and I talk about it all the time because we're looking for ways, you know, I'm all about incentive. Like, we're, we're, how do we psychologically get people to do those things? And I can see the the shame and fear. And there's a lot of conversations, you know, talking to these to white people saying you have to have humility. You have to be OK with fucking up. You have to apologize. But I also see I, I'm scared of the of the people who are going to take that on so much that that's going to silence them. People can't deal with shame and, and people retreat so even though i agree <laughs> like doing the work it's like you do the work you do the work i also i want to support people who are trying <laughs> because yeah. not everybody is trying and man let me tell you oh by the way i haven't i have a great app idea i want to see what your opinion is because okay. i've because i'm in a horrible horrible back and forth with a <laughs> it's like, I would say she's straight up racist person in my oh in my, my in my outer family right now. And I'm like, man, I wish I had an app. I could text someone and be like, what's a good comeback for this? Or like, what do I <laughs> say? Yeah, like what do I what do I say? Drop, to this? drop down categories. Yeah, yeah like what do I say to like this is so bad. It's one thing to have the conversation where it's more minute and the person is is it's more subtle, but when it's less subtle, it's just it's, I mean, it's fucking hard. I used to have these conversations all the time. I stopped. It was so exhausting and I'm ready to do it again, but I'm, I'm energized by everybody doing it. Yeah. Like coming out of Wesleyan and going back into the world. It's like, Oh, you can't. <laughs> You're just, ah, like <laughs> I felt like I was getting just hit from all sides. Cause even, I mean, I'm talking, I have racist Colombians in my family. I'm like, do you know who you are? Like, do you understand yeah, you're an immigrant? I don't watch television. Okay, let's talk about the things that I like don't do. I don't consume media. I have an extreme approach to like my consumption of the toxicity because mm. my Wesleyan moment really made me just energetically really sensitive and rightfully so because all of this shit is programming. And mm -hmm. while it might make me like, you know, a little more susceptible to X, Y, or Z because I'm not fully desensitized. It also means I'm not fully desensitized. <laughs> so in these moments, I'm able to self-preserve, I think, and and everybody watches TV. I mean, that's just some weird shit of my own because I'm always making some shit, but like it's it, it's part of it. And, and it is real because that's the real world. And it makes you just accept more of what's normal because it's normalized. And none of mm -hmm. this is normal. None of this is normal. This is not acceptable. And or it's normal, it, but not acceptable. That's how yeah. it, that is the normal and it shouldn't be. Yeah. And we can change it. And, and that's what's happening it. very quickly. And it can happen very quickly. And it is happening and it takes all types and all ways. And 
and it gives me great hope. And, and, and just these conversations are so life affirming because it's true. And, and I said this to someone the other day and they were like, you know, do we do a statement? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, we're good. Like we've been doing the work. Like you can make a statement if you want, but we're in this moment right now where your statement is really not going to matter if you have not been walking the walk. Because yeah. if you make a statement and you have not been walking the walk, you're about to get called the fuck out. So either say nothing and do better, <laughs> or uh, you know what I mean. Like or just well, okay. So I, I hear know. you, but I I think the statement needs to be made for all the other people. I see the value in the statements for that reason. And I was like, yeah. all like, uh, you know, well, everyone, so everyone. It, it's annoying how repetitive they are and how like the first couple were great. And then it was like, you're just saying the thing you think you should say. Actually, I didn't send an email out because I just I was like, um, I've, I've made my piece. Unless you're you announcing know. something. Are we making a commitment right, exactly. to spend this like, much what? money? Can exactly. you participate in this? Which, by the way, I don't think it was wrong to send these emails out. I've gotten some good. I've gotten some good information. Wrong, I love the links. Some of the links I read them. I'm like, great. I'm glad I saw this. Um, I just find it but, very bizarre. I find capitalism bizarre. I'm in an, I'm in a way of moving in the world where I I'm in philanthropy and I run a social enterprise. Yeah, like, and I went don't to business really, school, <laughs> but I but the, and, and was there to just like you know rabble rouse and throw parties. Like that's literally you know I was elected queen. Oh, that's, that's literally the easiest way to right. get the money and funnel it to the places it needs to go. I threw a boat party. It was lit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Hi, Pia. Oh, <laughs> my party days. I know, I know, days. I know. I, I miss them. It's, I feel I, like the last know. time I partied was going to Cubana Social to meet you. And I was oh. like, it's very crowded. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I have no space to spin. You're like, where's my spinning space? Where's there? my stage? I know, I know. Um, I miss the stages. They will come back in due time, just not in the immediate time. We need to be protesting right now. And I, I hold space for that. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the dancing is happening in the streets. <laughs> It is. I love it. So the protests go by our apartment like <laughs> every other day, actually oh by God. our apartment. We're like, like on the route. I am on the route. Um, they were biking yesterday. Um, days before that, it's marching. It's, <laughs> it's walking. The parade, it's, it's, parade. A, it's a parade. I hate to say it as an excuse. Like having a toddler makes it really hard. Steve and I are watching watching, being like, I would so be down there. Let's do you this. Have a you small know, child. Just, uh, stay home <laughs> I know. And, and there's the whole coronavirus thing makes that infinitely um mm -hmm. <laughs> more challenging and even there was a family protest and i was like yeah but you still know, a lot he of won't, people in the middle of a pandemic he won't wear the mask he's too of course young not. he's too he's too young so you do you do something different but anyway that's that's neither here nor there I, I just it's love important. watching it. Yeah, there's just, there's no it. role that's wrong. You know, you, you get the blessing I of not being able to go, but you get say. to watch from the window, which is great. And that's okay. But I have money to donate. And that's, and that, <laughs> and you I know got, what? And they need that. And they need that too. Because they're all in the too. streets not making money right now. Right. Exactly. So. And I got a, and I got a voice and I got a platform and I've got some background in this. And, and I you have some patience to have important conversations have with people. Well, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> some patience. Honestly, one of the things I'm learning is that my patience is probably one of the best things I can work on right now because those conversations, like I'm saying, are like I, they're so hard. And right. they're important. And they're probably one of the most important things to, that you can effectively do to have a massive change. If you can move yeah. somebody on the, yeah. on the dial a little bit, that's huge. You that's know, what's really, really hard is that I 
I like to, I like to, I like to push people as far as they yeah. can go. And so then you, then you bring up intersectionality and why trans lives and like oh women's lives are essential to the movement as well. And then you watch people's heads explode and you look around the room and you <laughs> gather all the pieces and you put them nicely back into their head. And that is patience when you actually are like, okay, now we're going to discuss intersectional oh solidarity and struggle. And they are like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. No. <laughs> and you're like, no, but we're going to have this conversation. And, and, and then, the, and then the, 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 they don't like me. <laughs> can, can we all pay you to go have that conversation with all of our people? I mean, I am not cheap. <laughs> I, good. Yeah. Picking up all those pieces, the head explosion, it's messy. <laughs> it's, it's messy. It's, it's messy. It's painful. It's, it's holidays. It's, it's family. It's a painful reality in everyone's family. And I think everyone's family has this and everyone's at their different level. Right. I mean, it's just, you know, and, and, and I push and I, and I, and I do the dirty work and I push and I rabble. I just, I push and I push because it's, this is how we get further and and make people uncomfortable. And I don't, I don't need to be liked. I don't need to be liked. I I like myself. (laughs) I like myself. My parents like me. We good. (laughs) I like you. He likes me and, and I feel like I move with integrity and purpose. And if I fuck up, I apologize. And I think that if we all kind of take those approaches, yeah, yeah. don't be fascist. We'll be good. Yeah. And vote. <laughs> so my friend reminded me last week. Yes, we must vote. vote. The voting does still matter, um, especially because they're vote suppressing all over the country this year. So you gotta, you gotta do what you can to just, it's already what's happening. So. Well, this quickly went from business to something else, and I loved life every minute of it. <laughs> life is life. You're a wonderful PM, my dear. I'm so proud of you. Um, I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. Keep fighting the good fight. Go to the moon. Okay. I will go to the moon. I'm so looking or, forward to it. I will report back. <laughs> hopefully the moon has Instagram so you can keep in touch <laughs> or just email. But There's email from the moon. <laughs> always, always great to catch up with you. Keep it up. All right. I love you, my dear. Be well. Stay safe. To grab some of Chelsea's magic, head over to ChiquitaBrujita.com or follow her on Instagram at ChiquitaBrujita. And if you don't know how to spell that, I will put it in the show notes. She said she's closing the shop down for now, but when she opens it back up, I highly recommend picking up a souvenir. I still have the boss bitch candle Chelsea gave me at that sellout show, which, by the way, she made in 2014, and I'm pretty sure that was before boss bitch was even a thing, because I remember thinking how clever it was. So I'm going to give that one to you, Chelsea. For links and some fun photos of the stories we shared today, and a video of that hashtag sellout show that started it all for Chiquita Brujita, go to piasilva.com backslash podcast. I promise it's worth it. Also, if you know other entrepreneurs who struggle to put their business in its place and could benefit from hanging out with us, please share this podcast with them. Hard work can only take you so far. It is how you show up in your business every single day that makes the difference. And to make sure that you don't miss an episode of Show Your Business Who's Boss, hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player. Taking inspiration from this conversation with Chelsea today, Take a look at your social media feeds and consider how this is affecting your perception of the world. We are all in our own little bubbles. Take the time to ask yourself, is this the bubble that you want to be a part of? How is this bubble limiting you, affecting your decision making, and holding you and your business back? 
the more variety we can pull from, the more our decisions can be ours and not just the default decision based on one narrow perspective that we're exposed to. Bypass the algorithm. It will help your business. I know that I've found that being able to pull from a diverse set of experiences, whether that be from travel, people, books, has directly influenced how I've been able to brainstorm new, interesting ideas in my business, always for the better. Not only is intentionally seeking out more diverse opinions, perspectives, and approaches good for your business, it's the right thing to do. And that might just be your next step in showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik. Creative direction by Steve Wasterval. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. 